You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Kaya Gutnick, and she is CEO of Chaos Control. We're going to talk to her a little bit about the work that she does with agencies, helping them with operational efficiencies and productivity, hopefully so the owners and uh, senior executives can be more strategic, maybe even get out of the office a little bit more. I know being involved in the agency world for a long time, it can it can be chaos. And, and maybe chaos is a, a nice way of putting it. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about what Kaya is doing with agencies, how she's helping them and really drive productivity so they can be more focused, be more profitable, be more successful, grow and scale. With that, Kaya, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So I always like to start with a little bit of background, understanding how guests got into the work that they do. What was the backstory? What was your professional background and how do you get into helping working with agencies? So it's actually a really interesting story, probably very different than a lot of the guests (laughs) on your show. I started off in education. I was in an educational leadership position. I had my master's degree. I did really great work. I loved my job. But certain like health concerns, it made it really hard for me to work in that type of environment. So there was a point where I moved and I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to do consulting. I had consulting work lined up. And then there was a school who approached me and asked me to take a leadership position. And I was most like, no. And then I was like, you know what, if you let me be on site, only 20 hours a week, I'll do it. Interesting. Yeah, right? So yeah. so I ended up taking the job because it was in my community. It was meaningful to me. And um, I was like, maybe the 20 hours will help with the kind of balance aspect of it. So I did that and I was able to do pretty much a full-time job in, in 20 or even less hours a week. It was mostly through delegation productivity, you know, real, real intense focus on priorities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of, you know, I tried that and I was like, eh, it's not really fitting in with my life well, I had health concerns, I needed more flexibility, I have young children. And so I was looking to pivot, get back into business and consulting. And when I was really thinking about where my intense skills lay, and I really realized that so many people would be able to benefit from being able to do full-time jobs in less time or work the same amount of hours, but be able to do double the amount of work and therefore be double as profitable. Yeah. I mean, I always find that an interesting kind of conundrum in general in services, but particularly in agencies, anytime you're, you're kind of dealing, dealing with um, production work, is that am I paying you for the hour or am I paying you for the result? And it's a tough one. It's a tough one to kind of figure out as a service provider, like how do I how do I kind of manage or kind of model the engagement and how do I deal with those that hourly stuff? So how, I guess what was your what was your take on that or how did you kind of grapple with that hourly versus result based pricing or you know how you kind of charge things or your fee structure? You're saying for myself or for agencies? For yourself. For myself. So it's all results based. You know, I'll work with agencies. We'll do a strategy. 
strategy call. I'll help them with implementation, but it's all based on results. I mean, I do a lot of research. I'm a researcher by nature. I'm working on a doctoral degree for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. You're working on a doctoral degree for fun, not about fun, but for fun. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, and that will be an organizational leadership. I mean, I love research. I love learning. But what I was trying to say is that the results I'm able to get is because I have so much knowledge and because I keep updated with, you know, current software and things like that and different ways to create these efficiencies. So because I've only worked with you for an hour, but I've given you all the stuff that I've been researching for the past year, doesn't mean that you should be paying for an hour of my time. So, and I also recommend agencies in general moving from hourly work to totally project-based. Like you work on getting people results, people want results. and, And once you start getting doing hourly, it's so time consuming to count the hours and figure out and then you end up having to to ask questions before you work on new things and you're so worried about you know so I totally I'm not a fan of hour based work not yeah. for myself and not for the clients I work with yeah yeah no I think it's um strategically it's a much better position to be in to be focused on results billing for the results you know then you can optimize and this has always been the conundrum I've seen in service based businesses when you're hourly is your improvement in efficiency and a, an ability to get the work done faster actually hurts you, right? Because you're you're essentially right. l- losing billable time uh, mm-hmm. because you're, you're getting it done faster, but you're not getting paid anymore. So now you've got to go out and sell more, fill that time versus if you move into a results-based, you know, success-based model It actually any improvement that you make to your process, if you can take a, what it was a 10-hour task and make it a five-hour task, well, you, you reap the benefit of that improvement. Right. And it's also why agencies or businesses who do work with me, it wouldn't make sense so much for them to offer our based work because then my services aren't needed. They don't need to be more efficient. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about how you kind of how you got the business started. Who who did you you know first couple of clients? What did that look like? What did you learn? I'm always curious how people kind of get their businesses up and running. And and there's I just find there's always learning <laughs> steps in there. Right, what, right. What were your of learning course. steps? And, and and tell us a little bit about that process for you. Right. So when I started, you know, I was working with all businesses at that point. I was really you know just kind of getting a feel of, of what, exactly what I wanted to do. I definitely started out doing free work and I recommend that to all new business owners, you know, like you're new at, at doing something and get some referral testimonials and learn your exact process. So I did two clients for free at the beginning and these were people really trusted in the industry. So I know like at the beginning, people were like, oh, I saw her recommendation on your LinkedIn profile. Like you must be really good at what you do. Like if she worked for you, you know, so I did, I did free work strategically, with, with, you know, respectable people in the industry so that I was you know, able to kind of push through after that because people were like, oh, you worked with them, you know? So, so that definitely like, I guess, helped me break in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, I do most of my marketing via LinkedIn. Oh, okay. And when, why, why LinkedIn? What was, what have you found about the platform or kind of how LinkedIn works that has been successful for you? So, you know, when you think of, of which social platform to be on, right, you obviously think like, we are your people on, right? So mm-hmm. agency owners generally, especially ones who need my services are extremely busy and generally not so much scrolling through Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. So they may not be so much on LinkedIn either, but because right now LinkedIn is underutilized, there's a lot further reach. Like I have posts that get 7,000 views. I'm kind of working towards 10,000 views a day. That, that's my goal, you know, post views. So right now LinkedIn is so underutilized in that way that it was, it was more like the timing rather 
than the platform. You know, like the timing yeah. of LinkedIn worked out really well that it that it's underutilized and it's also business focused. So it obviously made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not on TikTok right now, you know, even though <laughs> there's, there's probably, you know, like I, I and I get it. There's there's you know, it's also underutilized, especially in business right now. Yeah. But I don't know that my ideal client is there. So I am not, you know, making use of that of that platform. Yeah. I always talk about that your your core customer, your ideal customer needs to be on the platform and they need to be open to a, a buying conversation, right? So they could be there. I mean, you know, maybe some of your customers have, you know, very extensive TikTok accounts, but, you know, that's just not where they're, they're, they're not looking for conversations around business. They're not looking for conversations around the problems they're having with the business. You know, so it's it's really that two-part thing I always find is they have to be on there and they have to be willing to have that that type of conversation. So I think LinkedIn works for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that's really how I pivoted. And and I guess I, I also have a big network, so that was on my side, you know, I would just like reach out to people, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really, really how it, it started, yeah. you know, and, and, um, so talk to me about the, the type of agencies that you typically work with, how big they are, what, what situation they're in, what kind of rounds out an ideal customer or a, t- a typical client for you. Right. So I work with agencies of all sizes from like, you know, just one person who's trying to work up into that agency, um, you know, like a freelancer who's trying to work into agency mm-hmm. up to the, the biggest agency right now I've worked with was 85 employees. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously bigger ones out there, but but that was my kind of biggest one that I've worked with so far. Find that the sweet spot for my services is kind of somewhere between 10 and 20 because you they've started growing. You know, things are becoming a little less control. You know, like when yeah. there are when it's a lot smaller, right? When there are five people in an agency, they're likely they're all chatting. Things kind of flow a little bit easier. Once you grow to 10, 12, 15, 20, things become a little more all over the place and you don't necessarily have an operations manager at that point, which, you know, as a side point, people are always like, oh, do you work with agencies who who have an operations, you know, person? And uh, I definitely do because Mm -hmm. what I do is is a bit beyond that. But these these type of agencies, they, they don't even have that. And so they're trying to scale. They're trying to scale up to the, you know, certain levels and uh, things are kind of all over the place. So I find that to be the sweet spot of agencies that work with me and kind of the challenges that they're seeing is like they can't keep the quality of the work or certain employees are kind of not keeping to the quality of work that they'd like to see. Mm-hmm. They get backlog because let's say, you know, they have a copywriter who has way more work than the design people because they have two design people. And so they get backlogged at the copywriter, you know, every time they're building a website or every time they need copy for an ad, right? Like they're getting backlogged, let's say, at the copywriter. Yeah. And then as a more general thing, it's just like they feel like things are all over the place. They can't, you know, leave the office without checking their phone, without being glued to their phone. They certainly can't go for a week on vacation. <laughs> they certainly can't go for a week on vacation, yeah. you know, without checking their phone. And that's really the goal of this. The goal so for me is every business owner has different goals and I want them to be able to meet their goals. And sometimes people think like owning a business has to be hard. I always have to be on. I think like that's the biggest, you know, misunderstanding that I'm always like kind of spreading the truth there that like, you don't always have to be on, you don't always have to be connected. You don't always have to be messaging or on the phone, you know, being a business owner doesn't have to be like that. So what do you think, what do you think that happens? I mean, why do you think, you know, the company starts to grow, you know, and it, it increases that kind of 
kind of, you know, demand on the senior leaders, you know, whether it's the founder or, you know, the CEO or, or you know, senior managers, you know, that, that their lives, their day-to-day becomes just a lot of, well, chaos, <laughs> I'll use your term, yeah. you know, in terms of the, their schedule and right. their the demands that are placed upon them, sort of immediate, urgent demands that are placed on them. So I'll tell you why, I think, because generally agency owners, the way they got into this business is because they're creative. And let's say they had a background in web design or they had a background in graphic design or whatever it was. And they were able to grow their business to a point where it started growing, right? And they could hire employees and things like that. But in the end, they're really just that creative who has the experience in whichever, you know, part of of that they have, you know, whether it's design, strategy, copywriting, web development, whatever it is. And they don't really have that experience or knowledge of leadership and organizations and business. They really don't have that background. So I think that is one of the main reasons that happens and not just agencies. I might mean like many businesses, right? Like if you're a travel agent, right? And you've worked for yourself, you know, you work by yourself and you figured out how to scale your travel agency. And now you have 10 employees. You never really got that business background or that leadership background and and you don't have that. So I think that's why it happens. Yeah. And I think my kind of experience, you know, having having been in part of um, lots of kind of consulting and agency type of work. Right. And I started my started my profession in, in more of creative agency and they got more into software consulting. Mm-hmm. I think there is something about creative agencies that A, I think the nature of work is very diverse. You know, each project can be quite different. And I also think that there is sort of an underlying psychology or or mindset or you know view of the world that makes it difficult to establish process. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of you know, because of, I think software engineering, you know, there's a little bit more of a process mentality, and you can kind of think through like, oh, okay, like we're, this is the way we're going to run projects, and they're going to have six steps, and this is how we're going to organize it. You know, I think fundamentally with creative, uh, particularly real creative agencies, that there's a certain amount of while we we want the work to be creative, it doesn't need to mean that every time we do a project has to be different and and we have to redesign it every time. Um, and I think that's a little bit of a conundrum for the for the creative agencies. I'm just kind of curious what you've seen in that and and how you see that come up. So yeah, it comes up all the time, like all the time. But I also have to say that I don't believe it's only agencies because I've worked with yeah, many business maybe. owners and yeah. they'll all tell me, oh well, you know each client is different Mm -hmm. or like, you know, I can't do that, you know, and, and I do hear that a lot in agencies for sure, but also in, in really all businesses. And what my goal is, is to try and find a way to simplify it as much as possible and keep it, you know, a certain process and system while still allowing for that creative, because I have a lot of respect for that creative work. And I know that creative work is naturally not the type of thing that can be you know, okay, so you need to do this web development, it's going to take you five hours, you know, you need to uh, design this graphic, it's going to take you this amount of hours, you know, real creative work, like the agencies who are doing like real creative things, you know, creative strategy, also, it's harder to put a time and a number of hours on it. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate that a lot. And so that's, you know, I'm able to work with agencies and, and creatives in putting a system that doesn't 
stifle the creativity. That's yeah. really the goal. It's that that balance between how do I systematize this enough that I can uh, you know re- reduce the chaos, I can grow and scale this effectively and efficiently, but yet right. still provide the creativity where I need creativity in terms of the actual services that I'm providing for the account. Um, what are what are some of the challenges like when you when you go in and you see begin to work with a, a client? What are some of the, the assessments or the things you're looking for? Do you have a, a checklist of common problems? Do you have um, you know a certain assessment that you give them? How, how do you kind of diagnose the situation before you start making changes? Right. So uh, before a client works with me, they fill out a pretty extensive um, form with just like details about their agency, what their goals are, you know, the the people who work for them, and and what their titles are, what services they offer, you know, all those type of things. So on our first call, we're can be as efficient as possible, mm-hmm. you know, not waste time on all that background, and then you know we chat for about an hour and a half, two hours in that first call call to really diagnose what is holding up their agency at that point, whether it's that there are no systems, that they're not using their project management system well, that Mm -hmm. the people don't know how to use their time because generally creatives are not so linear and not necessarily so focused or productive naturally. But you know what I mean? Like that kind of comes as a package deal, right? Or maybe they have certain employees that are kind of holding them back or maybe they need to let one employee go because they have way too many design people and not enough web development people, you know? So through that, those are like the main issues, I would say, you know, also Mm -hmm. the CEO or the leader of the agency being way too involved. Once the agency (laughs) grows, they'll be way too involved in day to day and people are relying. I mean, like their employees are relying on them so much for actual work, for actual design work or creative work or strategy. And then that CEO or whatever title Mm -hmm. he or she has chosen for themselves is they're not able to to do all that leadership work and make sure they they have their vision they have their goals they know where they're headed and they know what they they need to do in order to to get there so that i find is one of especially in the agency sizes that i work with regularly you know between 10 and and 20 Mm -hmm. that is definitely a big transition that helps a lot you know to kind of take them out of the they're not working in the business they only work on the business yeah and that's a tough one like i see so many kind of you know service-based businesses that the owner and the problem I typically for me or what I find is that the owner is very good at what they do right and they're, they're a great designer they're a great technologist they're a great advertising strategist right. you know and they're they're exceptionally good in fact they're probably the best person in the company right. but if they continue to try to do the work there's always going to be the bottleneck and it's getting kind of getting them out of some of it's sort of logical in terms of process and how they bring other people to do other steps of the process that that are not as productive or actually find people that can do the work at least good enough for what the clients need but then there's the kind of mental side of it and there's there's almost ego it's like it's like right. their, their self-worth is tied into actually doing the work and unless that's solved or unless that's changed it really they will find ways to continue to insert themselves right. <laughs> so the actually interestingly enough i have found in some agencies that that owner or founder has taken the title of like creative director and yeah. then hires a ceo or a serious operations manager who takes over kind of those leadership mm-hmm. the leadership capacity as well 
um, in some places where like that owner was just like so invested in the creative and the creative was so part of his or her identity that they didn't want to give it up. And that's fine. Like I'm all for like, there are many ways to run a business, right? And running a business is about doing what you want and finding joy in your work. And if you don't find joy in that leadership type work, I think it's amazing to be able to say, let's hire somebody else as the CEO and I'll be the creative director, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And that's a smart strategy. I mean, I do agree. It's like, if you know, if you're not going to be happy in that leadership role, so if you're not happy in the leadership role where you are now, if we double the size of the company, it's probably going to make you twice as unhappy. (laughs) So there's a certain amount of kind of uh, soul searching or, or, um, you know, kind of reflection that they have to do to figure out what do they really want to have. And talk to me about once you've kind of figured that out, you've worked with the founder, whether they be a, a creative director or CEO, how do you actually go about implementing some of the changes? Where do you start? How do you work with the teams? What does the actual implementation process look like for you? Right. So obviously, like every business, it's different, you know, depending on the client, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on exactly what their challenges and goals are, we focus on different things differently. Like sometimes we really just have to work on the CEO and the rest kind of falls into place through that. But most of the time, you know, I'll start by working with the CEO, making sure they're on board, making sure I understand their vision and their goals, because obviously everything depends on that. And then I go and usually work with either the project manager or the operations manager and we talk about how things are running and where there are bottlenecks and how we can change that. I do a project management software audit. So that means I'll go through their project management software or any other software they're using as well and audit it to see that they're using it in the smartest way possible, that they're using the, they're getting the most out of its features. Like I had an agency, it was actually really funny, who they had a project management software and then they had this whole like fancy Zapier connection to like something else. And I was like, you know that you can do this in your software? Like the project management software had it. They had like built this like whole other thing that was like way less efficient and effective and easy to use than like what was built into their software. So why do you think that happens? Like what's the situation that leads to that kind of operational design? I do think project management softwares have a big learning curve. Yeah. And the project manager might be so overwhelmed by just running day to day that they get that initial onboarding into the project management software, but they don't dive deep enough. And again, it's not about fault. They're like overwhelmed. They can barely make it through the day, right? Like it's not a fault, right? Like that's, you know, just what it is. So I believe that's what it is. And I just do believe like even for myself, when I'm looking through a new project management software, all of them have like a little bit, their their own little things. And it takes time to learn a new new software. So I I would say that that's probably the biggest reason. Yeah. And I think it's tough to come in from the outside with kind of perspective and knowledge and sort of time to be able to look at these systems and, and really understand them and not appreciate that the folks that are in the business are, you know, they're, they're, they're treading water. Right. They don't, right. They don't, they don't, you know, they could, if they had the time and they had kind of the, the space, mental space to actually sit down and, and use it, they could figure it out. But the problem is they just don't, they're trying to, they're trying right. to get stuff out the door, right? They're trying to deliver right. on, on clients. So yeah. And it, that's it, really stuff. why people end up calling me, you know, yeah. because it's not, and pretty much most consultants, you know, everything you can find on the web, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can figure out most things on the web, you know, but to find the exact piece of knowledge you need, you know, at the right time and, and have that accountability, you know, is, is very hard. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and seeing the patterns, I mean, I think the other thing I'm, I'm sure you've seen as you go from client to client to client, you begin to see patterns, you begin to see what typically 
typically solves those patterns. You know, if it's your first time as a company dealing with a situation, you don't have that. You, you don't. Right. You can't see the pattern as well. You can't see the solution as easily. So yeah, so that's kind of the coming in from the outside has a lot of advantages. And yes, one of the big value of of consultants and coaches is to is to bring that kind of learning to the table. What are some takeaways for the folks listening to the podcast that are in kind of agency environments? What are some things that you suggest they do in terms of whether it's planning, kind of figuring out how they're going to go the business, dealing with operational issues? What are some steps they can take to begin to figure out how they can drive productivity and, and make it easier to grow and scale? Right. So I'll give you one tip for the agency owners and then some general tips for, for all business owners. Sure. So and, and actually, they're, they're really both for most business owners. But the first thing is take all the services you offer, you know, everything you offer, everything all your employees do every day and just turn them into checklists, make checklists for everything. Yeah. And that's the way that things won't fall through the cracks. You know, you won't have to be like constantly like worried. Oh, did I remind her to do this? <laughs> oh, oh, is she really doing this? Right. Yep. There's like a checklist and everything is there. Every little detail, client communication, everything. That's definitely, I would say the simplest. It's not easy. It's very painful to make those checklists. Yeah. I have to say, but it is a simple way to really control your chaos, you know, and really get to a point where you can either scale or leave the office and things like that, you know, really making those checklists of all the services you offer. The next step from that would be to put into a project management system into templates with automation so that every time you get a new client, you just start a new template and the checklist is right there. It assigns the right tasks to the right people with the right due dates because you have a template on a timeline design. So, you know, that's already next level, but at the most basic level, even if it's you type it up on Google Docs or Word or whatever and print them, I don't, you know, if you want to have them online or paper, whatever, but that everybody should be checking off checklists as they do their work to make sure that you're able to keep that quality and, you know, you're really reliable in your service. Yeah, good. Yeah, checklist. I'm I'm a big checklist fan. Checklist Manifesto, one of my favorite books. (laughs) And and, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a certain art to writing checklists, I find. Like it, and it's, you know, how to make them full enough to catch the things that need to be caught, but not bloated with too many not steps people, yeah. so that they're yeah. not used. Because, you know, someone pulls out a 15 page checklist and, you know, chances are operationally they're just, they're going to be under pressure Nothing. just to get yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And then, yeah, I was just going to add for, for business owners, like in general, and this is really for all people, but what I find, you know, regarding productivity, um, which is most ignored, is your like mental capacity. And people, they totally like don't realize that when they're trying so hard to remember things because they haven't (laughs) written them down or they're so busy making small decisions like what to eat for lunch or you know should I use Uber Lyft right like relatively unimportant decisions all of those drain your mental energy and then you're not able to make those bigger more important decisions and really be focused on what needs to get done so I would say like for me that's the most like ignored tip that I would share. Yeah. It's almost the um, the Steve Jobs strategy of wearing, you know, a black turtleneck and jeans every day. So he didn't have to decide what he would wear every morning, right? You, you could take that energy and focus out on bigger, more important decisions. I think there's there's a lot of opportunities for that. Just making automatic systems, automatic decisions so that you can focus your energy on the bigger ones. Good tips. Good tips. If people want to find out more about you, about the business and the consulting that you do with agencies, what's the best way to get that information? So I'm most active on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I post at least 
least once a day. And I engage with all the comments and stuff. So if you want to reach me, I would definitely recommend LinkedIn. My link is just with my name at the end. Um, and then also online at my website, which is controlmychaos.com. So Great. that should be pretty easy to remember. Sure. And I, I will put both your LinkedIn, the full LinkedIn URL and the URL for your website in the show notes so people can click through and get those. Kaya, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Great insights. I always love to talk to people who are, are focusing on this kind of the service-based business world and particularly the agency world and the creative world. It, it brings back memories of when I was there. So <laughs> I, re- I remember it well. Um, but thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and it was great to be here. It was great chatting. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.